You're listening to the Van Moody Podcast. Our passion is transforming the world by transforming lives. In today's episode, we'll discuss what forgiveness truly is and the consequences of unforgiveness. And today, we're going to talk about the F word. And I want you to look at Psalms 86 and verses 4 and 5. And by F word, amen. Some of you are like, what, what, what is pastor talking about? Amen. It's right here. It says, give me happiness, O Lord. Look at what the psalmist says. For I give myself to you, O Lord, you are so good. Yes, he is. But notice what else he says. You are so ready to what? That's the F word, to forgive. So full of unfailing love for all who ask for help. This series called Life, the small group that we're launching in conjunction with this series really revolves around one main scripture, and that's Galatians 5 and 1, that says that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And one of the things that I stressed on last Sunday and I vehemently believe is that unfortunately, we often only focus on one dynamic or one aspect of the ministry of Jesus Christ, and that's salvation. We want, we want people to be saved. And yes, he did come uh, to offer the, the world salvation. But Jesus came to do so much more than that. This is why, if you're new to our ministry, it's important that you understand that everything that we do, we do because we want uh, to cooperate with the four things that God wants to do in your life. There are four things, real things that God wants to do in your life, and everything that we do in the worship center is based around those four things. The first thing is that God wants you to know him, and to know God, and that's salvation. So we're going to always extend the opportunity uh, for you to accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior and ask God into your heart. But after you get to know God, which is salvation, the next thing is that God wants you to find freedom, and that's deliverance. Then after you find freedom, you are free to do the third thing, which is to discover your purpose. There may be accidental parents, but there's no such thing as accidental children. You were all born for a reason. God brought you into this world for a specific purpose. And so we want you to discover your purpose. And then the fourth thing is that now that you know your purpose, God wants you to get on a team. That's why we call it the dream team. And to do the thing that you have been, you've been called and created to do, but do it in a way so that it makes a difference in the lives of other people. Those are the four things that we're all about here at our church. Why? Because those are the four things that God wants to do in your heart. But the second one, finding freedom, is one of the ones that we often overlook. A lot of times we spend so much time on just the first one, which is salvation. I often say that people come through the front door and they stay there. We never get to this place of finding freedom. And that's what this series is all about. That's what life as a small group is all about. And I think that is what is the most necessary. See, you can't experience the joy and and the power and the love of God. And you can't even begin to live that life that Jesus talked about in John 10 and 10, life more abundantly, if you are still in bondage. That kind of life only comes by way of freedom. And when we really start digging into what it takes to really live free and experience that life, I've got to deal with the F word because one of the biggest reasons why people live in bondage and fail to live in the freedom that Christ came to give us is because of unforgiveness. But when we learn to forgive, 
like Jesus does, our life and the life of everybody connected to us will begin to soar at amazing new heights. And so we're going to talk about the F word today. And this may not be one of those messages where, where we, we, we shout, but I really have an overwhelming sense that God is getting ready to set some people free. Let me tell you, you know what we normally do when we've been hurt and when we've been disappointed or when we've been let down, and then because the hurt is so significant, as a result, we decide to live with unforgiveness. It's really like an arrow has been dipped in poison and then it's hit us. Because the hurt and the disappointment only lasts for a moment, but then when you make a decision to live with unforgiveness, to not forgive others, what happens is, is that that unforgiveness lingers long after the event has taken place, and it's that poison that sips into our veins, it affects our thoughts, it clouds our vision. It, it really, really starts to destroy our ability to live, to love, and to even be loved. Because here's what normally happens. When somebody hurts us, when they let us down, when they disappoint us, because of the hurt, that's when our flesh rises up. And our flesh sometimes will make us feel like, well, unforgiveness is the right thing to do. Don't you dare forgive them after everything they've done to you. But here's what you have to understand. When you go about life that way and you begin to harbor unforgiveness, here's what you're really doing. It's like drinking poison and expecting the other person who hurt you to die from it. Meaning that it just won't work. So what I want you to understand today is, is that unforgiveness is one of the biggest things that keeps us in bondage and prevents us from living in freedom and particularly enjoying the, the, the tree of life that I talked about on Wednesday and, and I talked about on, on last Sunday. And, and so today I want to deal with the F word, which is, which is forgiveness in a general sense. And then on Wednesday, I'm really going to dig deep and I'm going to talk about how to forgive yourself. Because forgiving others is one thing, but forgiving yourself is something totally different. And so if we're going to really understand the importance of the F word and, and, to, and to live like the psalmist uh, talks about God being so ready to forgive, then number one, in your message notes, you have to understand the truth about forgiveness. You got to understand the truth about forgiveness. See, one of the reasons we don't really offer forgiveness easily or we're slow to forgive is because we don't know the truth about forgiveness. And so, number one, many of us have the wrong idea about forgiveness. Many of us have the wrong idea of forgiveness. And I want to give you what forgiveness is, but I want to give it to you by first helping you understand what forgiveness is not. Because when you really understand what forgiveness is not, then you can better understand what forgiveness really is. So let's get into it. A, forgiveness is not minimizing the offense. Forgiveness is not minimizing the offense. When you forgive someone who hurt you, who wronged you, who disappointed you, and who let you down, let me tell you what you're not saying. You're not saying that it wasn't a big deal. You're not saying that, oh, it, it, it didn't hurt me. No, the truth is, it was a big deal. And the truth is that it did hurt. And it is not the will of God for you to be hurt and let down and mistreated. All right, so what they did, the way they did it, here it is. It wasn't right. It was wrong, totally wrong. But when you choose to forgive, you're choosing not to hang on to that stuff. Because when you hang on to it, it will rob you of your freedom. 
So A, forgiveness is not minimizing the offense. Here's a big one. B, forgiveness is not reconciliation. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. When you forgive someone and when you let go of what they've done to you, it doesn't mean that you got to reconcile with them. Let me show this to you in Scripture. In Romans 12 and in verse 18, notice what God says. He says, if it is possible... As far as it depends on you, that's the key right there. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. God says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you. Why does God say if it's possible as far as it depends on you? Because God understands that sometimes reconciliation is not possible. God understands that sometimes reconciling with someone that has consistently hurt you and disappointed you may not be the best choice. This is, this is what happens with Abraham uh, and with Lot. And I grew up kind of in the traditional church. And I used to think that when I would hear the pastor uh, give this statement at the end of the service, I used to think that it was the benediction. And benediction means blessing. And they say, may the, may the Lord watch between me and thee while we're absent one from another. That comes from Genesis 31 and verse 49. That is not a benediction. That's not a blessing. That is a word about boundaries. Because Abraham and Lot, they have to go their separate ways. Lot wants to live in Sodom and Gomorrah. He wants to go in the direction of depravity and sin. And Abraham says, I I can't roll with you. You're living in a way that is totally different than what God has spoken for my life. I'm going after God. And so Abraham says, listen, they, 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 they are able to forgive one another, but they don't reconcile. He says, may the Lord watch between you, me and you. While we are away from each other. Why? Because forgiveness does not mean reconciliation. Now, there are going to be some times when relationships can be reconciled and can be restored. But I want to tell you this. In order for a relationship to be reconciled and restored the right way, three things have to happen. I didn't put these in your message notes, but write these in the margin. Uh, Because if you really feel like God is calling for you to reconcile and for a relationship to be restored... Make sure these three things happen. First of all, there has to be repentance. The person who hurt you and did horrible things, they have to repent. And real repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry. Real repentance means that you are going to go in the opposite direction. There has to be repentance, but then there also has to be restitution. Meaning that they have to do what needs to be done to make things right. And then after restitution, there has to be a rebuilding of trust. Meaning that they've got to prove themselves. They've got, to, they've got to rebuild trust. And you rebuild trust not by what you say, but by what you do. It's about actions and not words. But let me tell you something. Even if those three things don't happen, you can still forgive because forgiveness is not reconciliation. Now, here's what we often say. Well, see, Paz, when they apologize, well, see, when they apologize, then I'll forgive them. But when that's your attitude, let me tell you what you're doing. You have unfortunately become hostage to the very people that hurt you in the first place. Because you have placed your freedom in the hands of somebody that may never apologize to you. And part of the reason that some of us have been holding on to things and we have been in bondage for years is because we've been waiting on people to apologize. And here's the truth. They may not apologize. They may never say that they're sorry, 
But even if they don't apologize, you can still be free. See, reconciliation takes two people. But forgiveness is a one-player game. That's so good. I got to say that again. Reconciliation takes two people, but forgiveness is a one-player game. If they never say that they're sorry, you don't have to live your life in bondage. You can forgive them and move on. And so forgiveness, forgiveness, here's C, forgiveness is not, here's another one, forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. Forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. This is where the world has kind of uh, lied to us and confused uh, our mind because, see, we often think that in order to forgive somebody that I've just got to forget what has happened. People even say it. Oh, you know, girl, just forgive and forget or, bro, you know, man, just forgive and forget. But that's not true. It doesn't work. The truth is you may never forget. But God wants you to forgive because here's what God wants to do. When you offer forgiveness, you open your heart so that God can come in and remove the pain and the hurt that is associated with what happened and bring you into a place of freedom. So then you may remember it, but when you remember it, you don't relive the pain that was associated with it. See, there's some things that happened in my life that I will never forget. But because I've offered forgiveness and God has healed my heart, I can remember it, but there's no pain associated with it anymore. Are you following me? So you got to know the the truth, the truth about forgiveness. And you got to know what forgiveness is, is not. But then here's the other thing about forgiveness. Number two, one of the reasons we don't offer it is because we don't think it's fair. We, we, don't, we don't think it's fair. We, we don't like to offer forgiveness to people who've hurt us and disappointed us and let us down and did all kind of just bad things to us because we think, well, it's not fair to let them off the hook. After everything that they've done for me, after all of the ways they hurt me, it's not fair. They don't deserve forgiveness. You don't have to say anything to me. I'm teaching much better than you're responding. And some of you are not saying anything because you're like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. We often focus on fairness, but here's what I want you to understand. The good news is that God is not fair. Let me tell you what you don't want. You don't want God to start saying, well, let's talk about what's fair and what's not fair. This is, this, is, this is what Jesus was trying to teach us in Matthew 18 and verse 21. I want you to grab your Bible or follow with me on the screen. It was too much for me to put in your message notes. But look at Matthew 18 and verse 21. It says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I I, I tell you, not seven times. The NIV says 77 times. The literal translation from the Greek is seven times 70. All right? And he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. He wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who who owed him, rather, 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all he had be sold to repay the debt. And at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be be, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. And the, the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay me back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees 
and begged him, be patient with me and I'll, I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servants just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And here's how Jesus ends. He says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister, not with your lips, from your heart. Oh, man, this is a lot, isn't it? Let, let, let's deal with this for a second. I, I really appreciate Peter because Peter keeps it real. When Peter is wrong, he is all the way wrong. And when Peter is all the way right, he is all the way right. He keeps it 100. Amen. I like the kids say he keeps it 100. And so Peter, you, you can tell that Peter's been hurt. He's been offended. He's a little frustrated. He comes to Jesus. He says, Jesus, now, now listen, now listen, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? He gets real deep. He says, seven times, you know, because he's, he's a Jew. He, he knows that seven is a number of completion. He's like, I've done it seven times. Seven is a number of completion. I don't have to do it anymore. And Jesus says, no. Really, it's seven times 70. Seven times 70 is 490. Jesus is saying 400, get this, and 90 times a day. 490 times a day, that is once every three minutes. So 2,000 plus years ago, notice the omniscience of God. He knew that in 2015, the pace of life would be coming at us so fast. That once every three minutes, you were going to need to be forgiving somebody. When you think about Facebook, Twitter, you got the kids on one hand, you got the phone in the other. He says, you're going to be offended so many times that at least 490 times a day. And then he says, well, Peter, since you, since you asked me, let me tell you. And whenever you see in the scriptures where Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like or the kingdom of heaven is like, you got to listen up because what he's saying is, this is how God operates. This is how God is going to evaluate us. He said, the kingdom of God is like a, a man who had a servant who, who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. 10,000 bags of gold in today's currency is $5 billion. He says, this man owed, owed, owed his master $5 billion. And, 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 and the master was getting ready to sell him, his wife, his kids, and everything he had into slavery to pay for it. But the man fell on his knees. He said, Master, have, have mercy on me. This is a picture of, of us and God. And he says, and the master just wipes the slate clean. But then this low-down guy just got free, walks out, finds somebody who owes him 100 silver coins. 100 silver coins in today's currency is $10,000. He owed $5 billion. Somebody owed him 10000 And he chokes the man who owed him $10,000, throws him in prison. And the other servants are looking. Isn't that something? God sees everything. The other servants are looking around, goes back to the original master and said, you will never believe how this guy just treated somebody that only owed him 10000 and he owed you $5 billion. What's the whole point of the parable? Jesus is saying, listen, what you have been forgiven, 
compared to the forgiveness that you got to offer somebody else is astronomical. What God has done for you in forgiving your stuff doesn't even compare to the forgiveness you got to offer somebody else. So Jesus is saying, you better be glad God ain't fair. Because, because if you start talking this fairness stuff, well, it was not fair, so I'm not going to offer forgiveness to them. The same attitude that keeps you from offering forgiveness to them condemns you. He says that this is how God's going to treat you. If you don't forgive your brother and your sister from your heart. Thank you. Thank you. Mama said it's real good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Here's, here's, here's the third thing. Here's another reason we don't offer forgiveness because, number three, we don't think we can do it. Third reason that we, we don't offer forgiveness is because out here all the time, we, we think we just don't have the power to do it. Pastor, I, I just don't think it's, it's in me. Uh, oh, help me. I just, I don't think I have it. Oh, uh, you know, uh, I don't think I have it within me. Y'all laugh because you know you say it. You know you say it. I heard it so many I just, oh, I, I just, oh, help me, Pastor, I need to pray because I just don't think I have it within me. I don't have the power within me to forgive them. When you feel that way and when you say that, here's what I want you to know. That's the voice of the enemy. And the enemy is a liar. You ought never measure your circumstances by your own ability. Because if you do, it doesn't matter what it is, it will always seem like things can't happen. But when you feel like, I just don't have the power within me to do it, that's really a good thing. Because God wants you, your flesh, you, you to get out of the way so that God can have his way. This is what happened with the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9. He said, God, take this thorn from me. And God says, no. He says, I'm not going to do it. Paul said, why? He says, because my grace is sufficient for you. Why? Because my power is made perfect in your weakness. Paul says, I get it now. So therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. God says, you, you shouldn't feel like you can do it. Why? Because forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. And it doesn't matter how you feel. When you make the choice to forgive, your feelings will get in line. Teach, I'm teaching much better. I know I got a witness at Bessemer. Hallelujah. So now you understand, number one, the truth about forgiveness. But number two, this is the biggie. I got to teach you about the trap of being offended. Got to teach you the trap of being offended. Look at somebody near you say, it's a trap. It's a trap. Matthew 24 and verse 10, Jesus is teaching about some of the signs that we're going to be coming close to his return. And he says, and many will be offended. Many will betray one another and will hate one another. Now, this word, when he says that many will be offended, this word offense is the same word. I didn't put this in your notes, but it's the same word that Jesus uses in Matthew 11. Because in Matthew 11, John the Baptist has been imprisoned. And, 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 and in prison, John goes from faith to doubt. Because he's looking around saying, man, I'm in prison. He, he calls his disciples to him. He says, y'all go ask Jesus, are you the one or should we look for another? John's saying, because, you, wait a minute now, why am I going through what I'm going through? And Jesus, very cool, he just tells John's disciples, he says, listen, y'all go back and tell John what's happening. The blind never receives sight. The lame can walk. The deaf can hear. He's like, I'm not going to have to explain all of that. It's evident that I'm the one. 
And then after the disciples leave, he turns to, to his disciples, and here's what he says. He says, this is Matthew 11. He says, blessed are those who are not offended because of me. That word offense, get this, that's in Matthew 11, that's in Matthew 24, comes from the Greek word, and it literally means the bait. The bait or the trap. That's what the word offense means. The bait or the trap. So when someone hurts you, when they say something that maybe didn't come across the right way to you, can I tell you what it is? The enemy relishes those opportunities. He will even orchestrate that junk because it's bait. Because it is a trap. And he knows that if you allow them to offend you and you don't offer forgiveness, you take the bait, you have fallen into the trap. What's, what's the result of living in the trap? Proverbs 18 and verse 19. It says, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate. Lockwood bars. I got to say that an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends, separate coworkers, separate family members. Like a gate locked with bars. It's a trap. Because here's what the trap is. The enemy knows that if, that if somebody offends you and you don't offer forgiveness, then what happens is the trap is that you put up bars and gates around your life. And you say, well, I'm never going to let anybody hurt me like that again. I'm never going to allow anybody to get close to me like that again. I never should have opened up and been, and been vulnerable like that. I'll never do that again. And that's the trap. Because what Proverbs 18 and 19 is referring to is what happens when a city is under attack. Back in the day when a city was under attack, they'd have fortified walls. And the thing about it is, yes, they would keep the enemy out, but they would also keep good stuff out too. So when you live like that, and so many of us have been hurt so many times in our past, and because we haven't offered forgiveness, that's exactly the way we live our lives. We have, we have these invisible walls, these invisible gates around our heart, around our mind, around our life. And yes, you will prevent some bad things from happening, but you'll also prevent good stuff from happening too. You're like, well, I just, I don't ever want to be hurt like that again. And yes, you'll keep bad people out, but you will also keep good people out too. See, the problem with a city, when they would go into that kind of stance to defend themselves, when they would raise the drawbridge and, and, and raise the strong towers and they wouldn't let the enemy in, the problem was they couldn't live like that for an extended period of time. Because while they would keep the enemy out, they would also keep food and water out. So the longer that a city operated like that, yes, they kept the enemy out, but everybody in the city would start dying of starvation. And that's what is happening to, to, to many of us. Yeah, we're, 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 we're still living, but our heart is shriveling up and dying. Because you work so hard to keep everybody out. But here's the thing. The way that God is going to bless your life is going to come through people. So in your effort to keep all the bad folk out, you're keeping your blessing out at the same time. You can't live life like that. This is why it's important to realize how important it is to forgive. Because when you, when you let down your guard and your gates, yeah, some people are going to say some things that will hurt you. Yes, some people are going to disappoint you. But you ought to be quick to forgive so that you can open yourself to receive the blessings that God wants to bring to you. And in order to do that, 
How do I live like that? Well, one of the things that you got to do is you got to remember every single way that you will ever be hurt, offended, disappointed, mistreated. In, in any way, Jesus endured all of that. You got to know that. You got to know that, that every way that we will ever be hurt or offended, Jesus was as well. I want you to see something they're going to put up on the screen. I want you to see, it's, it's kind of a chart about when we are, for an example, when, when we are betrayed, if, if a friend lied on us, or maybe there was a spouse who didn't stay forever. They promised to stay forever, but they didn't stay forever. Or maybe there was a sibling or, or a coworker that chose to, to just follow a different path and you felt betrayed. When we are betrayed, remember that Jesus was by Judas, a trusted friend. So trusted, Judas was the one that handled the money. He betrayed him. When, when we are falsely accused, Lord knows I know how that feels. When we are falsely accused, maybe it's because we've been misunderstood. Maybe, maybe we've been the subject of gossip or slander. It, it, no matter what it was, when you've been falsely accused, remember that Jesus was too. He was falsely accused in several courts. Amen. When you are rejected, nobody likes to be rejected. Maybe it was a spouse, a friend. Maybe it was a trusted authority. Here's the big one. Maybe it was the church. Which is why I spend a lot of time focusing on us being a life-giving church. This is why I'm glad that the worship center is a church for all people, all races, all nations, all backgrounds. Because I know what it's like to be rejected by the church. But even when you've been rejected in any way, shape, or form, remember that Jesus was. Jesus was rejected. He suffered rejection by Peter, one of his closest friends. When you're abused. Emotionally, physically, verbally, maybe even sexually. When you are abused or if you've been abused, remember that Jesus was. He was beaten. He was cursed. He was tortured. There is no torture known to man that's ever come close to the brutality of the cross. When you've been humiliated, when you've been humiliated, there's embarrassing moments that just won't seem to go away. You know, you feel like I've just been so humiliated and shame and, and, and disgrace just floods your life. Please remember that Jesus was. Not only was he tortured and abused, but he was stripped naked. See, we got these made-for-television or made-for-movies kind of uh, thoughts about the crucifixion. You know, Jesus had a loincloth and he had a six-pack. No, he had no loincloth. I don't know if he had a six-pack or not, but he didn't have a loincloth. He was, he was completely naked, beat and, and lifted up for everybody to see. That is the definition of humiliation. All of it happened right there in public. But it's, it's, it's helpful to remember that he went through it. Why? Because if he lives in you, if you've accepted him as your savior, then truly greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. And if he could take it and he lives in you, guess what? You can take it and still offer forgiveness. Jesus did not take the bait. I know he didn't take the bait because even when he was rejected and abused and humiliated, hanging on the cross, he said, I'm not taking this bait. Satan was hoping he was going to take the bait. Even when they were spitting on him. One thief thought he deserved to be there. Another thief was like, Lord, please remember me. R regardless of all of that, he said, Father, forgive him. For they don't know what they're doing. In the midst of all of that, he didn't take the bait. He said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Lord, forgive them. He was in that moment showing us the hurt, the pain, and the disappointment will only go on as long as you are unwilling to forgive. But regardless of whether they ever say sorry, the moment that you release forgiveness is the moment that God will release healing. 
so that you can begin to experience freedom. So listen, as, as I close the worship ministry and musicians get in position, the last thing I want to I do is I want to give you the test of forgiveness because I know how, how people are. I know how we are sometimes. We say, well, yeah, okay, I've forgiven them. You know, when you're talking to somebody and uh, it's clear that they don't want to have that conversation with you and, you know, they just try to cut it off. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, oh, I've, I've forgiven them, Pastor. I've, I've forgiven them. I've forgiven them. Okay, let's really see. Because that's how some of you are receiving this word. You're like, oh, I really don't, I really don't want to forgive them. But whatever, Pastor. Okay, oh, praise God. All right, how much time does he have left? I've forgiven them. Some of you nudging like, yeah, I've, I've, I, that's not for me. I've already forgiven them. If, if you think that the word is not for you, chances are. Here's how you know whether or not you've really forgiven them. The word of God is real clear about how to do forgiveness. And let me tell you something. It's the complete opposite of what the world tells us to do. But I will tell you this. If you do it following the word of God, you can be free. And that's the life that Jesus really wants you to live. How do I do forgiveness? Number one, pray for those who've offended you. We often want to pray for everybody that we love. Jesus says, you got to pray for those who've offended you. This is Matthew 5 and verse 43. He says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies, there it is, and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? If you greet only people, your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that? Jesus said, wait a minute, I thought you were supposed to be believers. I thought you were supposed to be Christians. If you only love folk who love you, you're no different than folk in the world. The real mark of you being touched by God and, and you open your heart to him and filled with the Holy Spirit, the real test is can you pray for those who've offended you? Can you pray for those who've offended you, number one? Number two, can you bless those who've offended you? Romans 12 and verse 14 says, bless those who've offended you. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. I love it because it says, let me, let me make sure you understand what I mean by bless. Bless and do not curse. Bless means to speak well of. What is God saying? Don't put your mouth on people who've hurt you. And you know, we shall do. We shall do. We sure do. Like, oh, if, if somebody will bring up a conversation and you like well, waiting on that. I'm, let me tell you about let me tell you about them. Let me let me tell let me tell you what they really did. Can you believe this? And we start putting our mouth on them. They low down, they're good for nothing, they can't be trusted. They they call themselves. The, I mean, and, and God says, if if you're still doing that, you haven't forgiven them. You know that you've forgiven them when you can when you can bless them. Lord, bless them. Lord, I wish them well. Lord, I pray that you'd bless their business. When you, when you can speak well of them, when you can bless those who offended you, then you've forgiven. And here's the last one. Do good to those who've offended you. Oh, this is a big one. We, we want to do good to us. We want to do good to the, those we love. But God says, no, do good to those who've offended you. Luke 6 and verse 27, here's all three of them in one verse. He says, but to you who are listening, this is Jesus. He says, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. There it is. Do good to those who hate you. Do good to those who hate you. I don't know how many times people have said, Pastor, I need you to pray for my marriage because my spouse has gone crazy. What do I do? Do good to those who hate you. 
But you just don't know what they're doing, Pat. Do good to those who... But he said this, and so I got to say it back. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. There it is again. Pray for those who mistreat you. We hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Van Moody. For more information about Van Moody Ministries, please visit vanmoody.org. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed week.